most wonderful show is Keeping up with the Joneses Woman in flannel, how are you? I'm well, how are you, man in check? You're wearing the Tennessee state flag. Pretty much, yep. The red, white, and black flannel. Why are you wearing flannel in the middle of 90 degree weather? Well, it wasn't 90 degree weather. It's gone down, praise the Lord, to 82 today. And I'm calling forth the fall. I don't understand. I don't understand why everybody wants to be in the season that's ahead of them. Um, I'm just done with sweating. So <laughs> You don't sweat, though. I know, but I feel hot. Mm-hmm. And because I don't sweat, I just basically overheat and then eventually pass out. And so I want. I like the seasons where I don't have to worry about that. To be fair, I've never actually seen you pass out. I know you're usually conveniently missing when I pass out. The last time I was passing out, I was making waffles in the heat in our kitchen. I wasn't there for you passing out, and I wasn't there for the waffles. How did I miss both those things? Um, you went out to breakfast with like one of your little friends and left me with the kids, and I passed out in the kitchen with only MJ downstairs but see, and that woke up with him on my back. That doesn't make any sense because we have air conditioning. What would the weather have to do with that? I think it was the waffles. <laughs> I think it was the heat from the waffle. I don't know. Let's not be blaming waffles okay. for nothing. All right. We had a tremendous Labor Day. I think we mentioned we last week the Ratliffs who were on the show last week. They stayed over with their kids. And it was, was it the first sleepover our kids have ever had? It was. And it was really good. They were behaving like it was. They, uh, Abigail, our eldest, must be a shaper because she had made a plan of everything that was going to happen. Oh, like a week and a half beforehand. We're going to do this. We need to eat this, mummy. And then we're going to do this. And you know what we need, actually, to make her plans come to fruition for the future? A fire pit in the backyard. Is that what she wanted? She really wanted s'mores. And I can't blame her with fall coming. Who who wouldn't want s'mores? Where are we going to put a fire pit? We have a big backyard. We just need somebody who knows how to build a fire pit. I'm sure I can do that. I'll Just give me, give me a couple of minutes on YouTube, see what I'll come up with. Okay, just don't hit the sprinkler system when you're digging. <laughs> yeah, we got our pit. sprinkler system working this week, thanks to our valiant neighbor. Yes, Monsieur West. Did you did you see any of them happening? No, because aren't they happening at like three or four in the morning? It's not like I'm getting up to check. <laughs> no, but I was testing them. I ran through them on Saturday. Or I should say I stood and watched while Wes showed me how to get them working. <laughs> um, I did see them when we realized they were still on in the backyard. I think the kids are going to love that. We won't tell them, but next summer they can play running through the sprinkler, play running through the sprinkler system with them. Try seeing that quickly. Well, we could just sit them in the backyard and tell them to just sit there. And then turn them on without telling them. It'd be you, great. You're an evil woman and I love it. <laughs> I wouldn't actually do that. That's kind of mean. So that was Monday. But funny. Tuesday was our orientation for School of Supernatural Life. Another year kicking off. Baby. What do you think about that? Our sixth year. I can't believe it. I'm, I'm super excited about this school year. Um, there's lots of faces that I don't know that I haven't seen. Uh, other than the pictures on our walls that we've been praying for all mm-hmm. summer. So... Um, it's it's going to be quite fun to get to know people. Were you proud of me that I didn't make any jokes about snake handling or yeah. drinking poison? Yes. Did I, you not? Are you sure you didn't? I thought they don't know me well enough to know my sense of humor. <laughs> Give I'm, it a week. <laughs> I'm not, not going to freak them out. <laughs> yeah. And then Wednesday, new iPhones were announced. They were? New watches. Yes. I, I managed to pretty much successfully avoid any input from people of course when an apple event is on everybody texts me but the stuff they texted me was like hey new phones did you see them and of course a new phone were coming so i just said i'm waiting for the big reveal tonight uh but mario is coming out for the iphone what yeah mario i don't think i saw that part of the reveal oh, uh, did you hide that from me 
No, nothing. Let's move on. Uh, <laughs> what kind of Mario? Uh, Mario. A uh, game that you can play one-handed on your phone by Nintendo. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's going to be great. I'm going to be a widow to a Mario game on your phone now instead of threes. Oh, I love threes. If you If people have not checked out threes for the iPhone... It's a game I return to all the time. It's so soothing. If you have an addictive personality and you don't want to be addicted to a game, don't check out Threes. <laughs> uh, you ordered your iPhone. Well, do you want to talk about my valiant efforts at ordering your iPhones? You are remarkable. Thanks. Thank you. I was hoping for a little bit more detail um, than that. Your remarkableness stems from the fact that at one fifty-eight, you wake up and you buy them online. Right, because they're announced at 12... A.M. Pacific time, right? Which is two A.M. Central Standard Time. Yes. So you're right. I wake up. I set the alarm. I roll over, and I thought I'd order them. But by the time I got on, about they were a little bit late because I was waiting for them. I was refreshing the page, but I got your phone booked and bought. But mine had sold out by the time I got there by about five minutes past midnight. Oh, I'm sad about that. They're all sold out. Well, I'm not. They, they'll, they'll get them. I, I don't much care what... I, I was wanting the jet black, but then I realized I put mine on a case anyway. You're not yeah. even going to know what color it is, so I'll just take whatever 7 I, Plus I I did is. mention that to you, you know. I did say that shiny black's going to be nice, but if it's in a case, you won't be able to tell. You did, but there was literally zero seven Plus models at all. I think you should get a nice pink one. I might do. I quite like the pink. Yeah. I think just the pink kind of reflects your masculinity. And I'm confident in my masculinity. I know you are, babe. I know. Um, <laughs> so mine's coming. I get to get it on Friday. Yep. I'm very excited. I just always get excited when there's a better camera. Right. Yeah. The, the Lord's quite kind to you. And there's been several times that you've had your phone before I have. It's true. I must be his favorite. Sorry about that, babe. <laughs> but did you also, did you see the the new watches? I did. They look the same to me. They're identical. They're a tiny little bit thicker. Thicker? Mm-hmm. Just, you wouldn't even notice. It's just really? like on a micron scale. Yeah, a little okay. bit thicker, but they are, they look identical to the old ones, except for the ceramic one. Which is beautiful. Yeah. But it's ceramic and ridiculously expensive. Well, it's not ridiculously expensive compared to the gold ones, <laughs> well, which it true. replaces. But it's ceramic. Like mm-hmm. it's, anyway. I guess I didn't anticipate it being like a thousand dollars for a ceramic. I'm not watch. going to bother upgrading our watches. No, because what they do. There's no point. No. Well, my watch is fine. It tracks my steps. It buzzes on my wrist when my phone's ringing. It sends me text messages. I'm happy. Talk to me about the Go conference. The Go conference. It was fantastic. Um, Lyle and Allison, of course, at Legacy Nashville, well, were hosting it, and uh, it was my first time. Uh, hearing Banning Leapshire live. So And Banning is the leader of Jesus culture. Yes. And he is an outstanding speaker. He's very engaging. He's a great storyteller. Um he doesn't pull his punches. Every everything we like. So uh it was great. It was great listening to him. He made some excellent, uh very solvent points. Um so Banning was speaking. You also heard Heidi. Yep. Heidi spoke last night and I went with um, some of my neighbors uh, to go and hear Heidi. That would have been fun. Were they used to the Heidi experience? No, I kind of prepped them on the way there. So we were driving in and and I was um, saying, have you ever heard Heidi speak before? And they were like, no. And I said, well, she might speak. I mean, she does have a doctor, 
doctorate of theology. She also might just lie on the floor or sing. <laughs> kneel or sing or giggle or whatever. But whatever happens, you're definitely going to feel the Holy Spirit. So they were super stoked. Um, and it was, it was really fun. They actually had all the kids. They brought all the kids in from children's ministry and they all just, they were all over her like a rash and she loved it. So she basically spent most of the evening telling us stories, talking about the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God through these stories. And then, you know, intermittently hugging children, kissing them on the head, you know, answering their questions. And she was totally not distracted at all by them. I mean, she just, in, I mean, they would sort of stop and go, you know, she'd say something like, and then this elephant and one of them would say, I've seen an elephant. She'd stop and she'd be like, have you seen an elephant? Well, that's very exciting. Did you like the elephant? You know, and I'm just like, okay, I, I love it that you're taking the time for these little kids. Yeah, I couldn't um, do it. Uh, no, I mean, I was really, really challenged by it. I loved it. Uh, and I felt like, uh, the challenge of my my thing of wanting everything to be succinct. That's not the right way of saying it. Succinct? Succinct. Um, and just easy to follow uh, probably takes precedent over distraction. And actually, she didn't see any of those kids as a distraction. Amazing. So, yeah, it was, it was pretty wild. Well done, Lyle and Allison. You really, just really good. killed it. Great job on organizing a conference for our city. Thank you for doing that for Nashville. Appreciate it. All right. Our main topic for this evening is a topic all about personal responsibility. And it was, we were talking about it. It was kickstarted by some of the stuff Banning shared on the Thursday night. I wasn't there. You, you yeah. were there and you came in the door. I said, hey, babe, how was it? And you were like, I want to make everybody in the body of Christ listen to this message. I was like, oh, it, it, it was that good then. <laughs> it was so good. Yeah. I mean, seriously, when when Go Conference gets the Thursday night message up, um, go listen to it. it it's fantastic. But uh, there was so much to uh, process and to chew on. And uh, it was everything I can do to stay seated and not stand in my chair and wave a hanky. I mean, I was just like, go, go, Banning. I would want to see that. Um, well, it was it was pretty close. I didn't have a hanky though, so I decided to stay seated. Um, but yeah, it was really, really good. He he started off by um, talking about the passage in Ephesians four, where it talks about apostles and prophets and uh, pastors and teachers and whatnot. And he's saying how they are to to build up this the saints and to call forth the sons of God. And so he started by talking about how if you read the Bible, everything in the Bible. Uh, talks about God's children as being a family. You know, just the language is he's a father, your children. Right. There's so much encouragement throughout scripture about um being about being sons and daughters and um listening to your fathers and that kind of stuff. And so he was talking he spent some time about talking about um how God has set up the kingdom like a family. And so we're not a business. Church isn't a business, church is a family. And so then he went into some stories about what his family was like growing up. And he's sort of from a small family um, and not very many external relatives kind of thing. And then he married his wife, who was from a large family with lots of step this is and just, you know, extended family. And he started talking about Thanksgiving being his very favorite uh, holiday because he would go and there'd be 
you know, 25 or 30 of them all in this house. And as a family, you walk in and everybody has your role to play if you're all going to eat. Right. And so he said, you know, the first time you go, you're a guest. Um, but the next time you go, you pick up a potato, you know, potato peeler and you get, get it done. And so he said his job for the last 21 years has been peeling all of the sweet potatoes and all of the potatoes for all the different mashes and all that kind of stuff. And he kept referring back to that throughout the evening. Like, you know, he would talk about the whole thing of, you know, when people are frustrated that their leaders aren't releasing them fast enough and all they can see is the thing they think that they could do better or whatever. And he'd be like, you know, guys, at Thanksgiving, I'm not peeling potatoes, staring at grandpa who's carving the turkey, just thinking one day that shall be mine. I'm just thinking, you know what, we're doing this all together for one common goal. And so there's lots of things where he would use an example where it was like, that just made it real simple to be able to diagnose when people are orphaning out or when you're orphaning out yourself. Like when when you're like, wow, if I really saw this as family, it'd be fine that I was peeling potatoes, you know? Uh, So it was, it was kind of interesting. And then he also spent a bunch of time talking about personal responsibility, which is when I wanted to like stand on my chair and scream because his premise was what? I, I wasn't there. Help me understand. His premise was he thinks the biggest problem in the body of Christ is that nobody has any personal responsibility. So that that we read the Bible and we want to outsource the stuff that makes us uncomfortable or um, might take some effort. Uh, and we either want to outsource that to our pastors or Christian leaders or just anyone else rather than us being responsible. And he used the example of they when they had this new puppy and uh, they took the puppy to puppy training school and he said, you know, two or three classes in, he realized they're not training the puppy, they're training me. And wow. I'm saying, hang on a second, I want you to train the puppy. You know, I want you to I want you to fix this problem over here for me. And they're saying basically, no, you're the problem, you know. And so he's like, that's how we treat our Christian walk is that, you know, it's the puppy and and we're saying to the pastor, hey, fix this or make this easier for me or provide for me everything I need for this Christian walk to be easier. And he's just like, do it yourself, you know? So he, he used lots of examples and he was talking about Jesus culture in Sacramento. He's like, you know, we, pe- we keep it pretty simple. And he started talking about, um, you know, when people would come up to him and be like, hey... Um, what are you going to do to help me find community? You know, and he's like, well, I guess the next time somebody asks you out to dinner, say yes, or invite somebody to Starbucks or have them over at your house or, you know, and they're like, no, well, what are you going to provide for me? And he's like, but this is the problem is that we all want it provided for us. We don't want to effort it. And we actually want somebody else to take on our responsibility. Right. It's funny because in our own community, I notice the people who have community are the people who've built community. Yes, exactly. So we've got people in our culture who are high influencers, high connectors, and they have... No they, problems finding community. It's, it's so funny. <laughs> I remember watching one of them just walk, new to Emily, and he just walked up to somebody who's like, hey, I want to do life with you. And, you know, that made an appointment to have coffee with him that week. And I was like, oh, see, you're you're building community. Uh, I think the, the the most outlandish example of that was we were running a, a pre-marriage 
you know, course, what was it, 12 week long course. Yeah. And this so, is many years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, we had 11 yeah. couples in it. So that's 22 young adults, all in the same stage of life, all getting ready to get married. And, yeah. And we were with them for 12 weeks in a row. And at the end of it, we asked for their feedback and they were very kind to give us feedback. Yeah, this is what we liked, this is what we didn't like. And the the funniest piece of feedback for me was they, I said, uh, one of the questions we asked was, what could we do better? And they were like, uh, it would have been nice to have got to know the other participants more. So maybe you could have hosted a meal. And I just sat back kind of aghast <laughs> going, Wait, wait, what? You're all grown-ups. You're all in the same room together every, every single, week. single week. Any of you could have gone to any of the other of you and were like, hey, can we get dinner next week? Yeah. Why were you waiting for somebody else to arrange that? Yeah. but that And that's exactly what he's talking about, is that sort of thing, you know. Um, I was talking with uh, my neighbor as well the, the day after I was, you know, kind of excited about Banning's message and just sort of like thinking... Because I guess I, I've heard that a lot the last couple of years, like, oh, well, you know, I just couldn't find community or whatever. And I'm thinking, I don't think I've ever had that problem in my whole life. But I think that's also because if I wanted to get to know somebody, I go up and start talking to them. I don't, right. I, don't I don't know, like I don't wait, you know. So um, I was talking to one of our neighbors and he was saying when he was on staff at church, he was always amazed that one of the things that people would say, and this is one of the things that drives me crazy anyway, um, is, oh, is that a negative confession that makes me feel aggravated? Um, is when people will say, well, you know, yeah, the worship was good or the whatever, but I didn't feel fed. And it's like, when did it stop being your responsibility to feed you? Right. You know, so... Um, I think it's definitely a, a problem. You know, one of the, one of the other examples he gave, Banning gave was that he said, somebody came up to him and said, Hey, you know, I, I led my neighbor to the Lord. When are you going to be starting a discipleship class? And Banning was like, when are you going to be starting one in your living room? Like, why is that up to me to do that for you? That's, you know, the Lord's actually giving you a connection with this person that you just led to the Lord. Right. It's your opportunity to actually walk out the Christian life and help the person that you just led to the Lord. You know, so I just was really, I was like, yeah, how do we inspire people to take more responsibility for their own lives and their own walks and what that looks like? What have you come up with? I don't know if I've come up with anything, babe. I really don't. I, I, Partially, I wonder if there's people that are built, well, I, and I don't know that I fully agree with this, but maybe there's certain seasons where people are able to take responsibility and there's other seasons where because of whatever's going on or whatever kind of training they've had or whatever kind of life they've had, they haven't been able to actually arrive at taking responsibility for their own lives. What do you think? I I think... I have been in all parts of the story that you've been telling. I yeah. can remember times at church complaining that I'm not being fed because it hadn't dawned on me that I could feed myself. Right. I think part of it felt overwhelming. I think the resources that we have today, you know, there was no YouTube back when when I were a lad. There was no, there's no <laughs> YouTube, there's no podcast. You would just order cassette tapes. And I didn't even know where to order them from. But once I figured that out, I I fed myself. But I, I remember complaining that there's... I, I think we're just not very good at realizing 
we can sustain our own personal revival. That right. we've got the Holy Spirit, we've we we can come before Him anytime we want. I and I think it's human nature to want to delay growth. Yeah. By uh, outsourcing it to somebody else. Well, you know, I'd be better if my doctor was this, or I would be fitter if my gym was open more, or. <laughs> If somebody else would make me run in the treadmill. (laughs) That's why we buy expensive gym memberships or expensive gym equipment, because it has the illusion that we are taking responsibility without us actually having to do anything. You know, so we'll, we'll buy the expensive running equipment or we'll buy the gym membership and we feel like we've made progress towards a goal of being healthy. But our life doesn't change. Or we just take like slimming pills or something. So we don't actually have to put in any effort whatsoever. (laughs) Or we buy nice Bibles, but don't read them. Right. So... It's, yeah, I've, I've totally been there. And then obviously as a leader as well, I'm on the receiving end of lots of people telling me, hey, you know what you want to do? You know what you should do? Yeah. And really, I don't I don't mind uh, when people are baby Christians and whatever, and they need a splint, you know, they need some scaffolding to get started and to get going. I think it's concerning when they're 20 and they're, you know, 20 years in or 10 years in and they're still needing to be spoon fed. Well, then you, I think you have a problem there. I think there, you know, needs to be something diagnosed, you know. I remember the, the, the change for me was when Paul Kane, I heard Paul Kane, who's a hero of mine, say, you're as close to Jesus as you choose to be. Yeah, that's harsh. It's, it's true, so though. true. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely like, true. You have as much intimacy as you want to with the Lord. And suddenly when the responsibility was put in my corner, I was like, oh, see, I look at all these prophets and just think you have an intimate walk with the Lord because you're special. And it's like, no, you have an intimate walk with the Lord because you've chosen to have an intimate walk with the Lord. You, yeah. can, you can have as much of him as you choose to. Yeah. And so you can just choose to have more time. One of the things this year that I've been purposing in my heart is I realized last year there's a danger that as a leader, you can spend more time putting in effort for other people's intimacy with the Lord than you do with your own. Right. Like we can conclude, oh, I'm spending time with you, Lord. But if the only time you're spending time with the Lord is on behalf of other people, you're not spending time with the Lord. Right. And I'm purposing in my heart to not let the bless. There's a wonderful verse in uh, in the Old Testament where the Lord says, I'm paraphrasing here, but basically I'm anxious that once you get your nice house, you're going to forget me. Yeah. And with the Lord giving us this nice house, I'm like, Lord, I am not going to let the to-do list of the stuff we have to do in the house, the repairs, the upgrades, the drapes, the furnishings, all the stuff, you know, because you can just get caught in a never-ending to-do list sure. of upgrades. Yeah. Or just even unpacking. And I'm like, I actually don't want to sacrifice my intimacy with the Lord for any reason. Yeah. Not even good reasons. Yeah. And as a Christian leader, you can confuse what you're doing for the Lord in replace of your relationship with the Lord. Look how busy I am. Look what I'm doing for you. And the Lord doesn't care. I mean, he's he's uh, thankful, I'm sure. But actually what he wants is face-to-face time. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's my personal responsibility. Well, that's, that's where I'm aiming all my effort and personal responsibility. Yeah. I like it. It's good. I think um, one of the things he sort of, uh, when Banning was speaking, he brought it back around to as well was um, not just your personal responsibility, but if if church is a family, um, how are you being part of the family? And I, I think you know often churches have difficulty getting people to volunteer for things or to help out with things. Uh, because there's a view that certain things are maybe less than or 
well, you know, I just, I don't have time or I don't have, you know, whatever. Like I'm, I, I don't know how to do X, but if you think about it in terms of a Thanksgiving dinner, you show up and you just get involved. You don't know how to do X. You ask somebody to show you how to do X and everybody does part so that you can all enjoy something together. I just love the analogy of that. And one of the things that he said at the end was there's only three people that don't help um, in this scenario. And he said, uh, the children, you know, children are allowed to be children. Wow. Um, and he said, then he said a guest and you're only a guest the first time you go someplace. Right. And then the last person is the rude guy that sits on the couch and says, bring me a snack. I'm watching the Super Bowl, you know, while everybody else is doing something. And he said, that guy is just, he's the immature person in the room. You know, nobody wants to be that guy. Right. But I think, I think that there's times where we are being that guy where we're just saying, Hey, you know what? Everybody else do it for me, please. And you know, I'm, I'm really too tired to help or Hey, just bring me some popcorn and I want to do this thing over here. So I think it was a really good wake up call. Like the whole message was a lot of, it was an interesting way of looking at something that we often see and being able to actually call it what it is, which was really good. Yay banning. Yay banning. Go for it. Go banning. It was really lovely. It was great to, to meet him and stuff. And that was a really good conference. And then of course next week is, um, the belongings conference. Come on. So two conferences, two weeks in a row, just super exciting. So we're looking forward to that. You ready for a listener's question? Mm-hmm. This is an interesting question. It's from Beatrice. She asked the question, not sure if this is where I'm at, but this question popped into my head. If I don't believe in healing for myself, how can I believe in healing for someone else? And for context, I've been praying for healing for my hip pain for 20 years. I guess the first thought that comes to mind, Beatrice, is that um, you must believe in healing because you've been praying for healing for 20 years. So on some level, you must know that healing is possible. I think there's, there's two ways of tackling that question. I think the first one is, we, if we're going to pray for the sick, we actually have to be convinced that God wants people healed. Yeah. Because otherwise... If we're not sure that God wants people healed, why are we asking him to heal people? Are we playing the numbers? Is it like a lottery game? So that needs to be sorted out first. And we've done, we've settled that matter. We've done careful study, exhaustive study, and realized that Jesus, every example of Jesus in the Gospels, everybody who came to him looking to be healed, he healed. Yeah. Not a single one did he not heal. And what's interesting is, we also know that Jesus only did what he saw his father doing. Yeah. And he only did the will of the father. So we can conclude that it was God's will to heal people. Yeah. And, the, the, you know, that there's there's a number of reasons we believe that. Uh, again, off the top of my head, the Lord's Prayer. He taught us how to pray. This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, uh, hallowed be your name. And then he says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. And so he's using heaven as a template for how life should be on earth. And in heaven, we know there's no sickness. We know there's no tears. We know there's no pain. So therefore, that's the standard that God is looking for here on earth. And then there's all the Old Testament passages, the the Messianic prophecies about what Jesus would do. So I don't want to do an exhaustive teaching on that, but I absolutely believe that God wants to heal. So you have to have that settled in your heart. Mm -hmm. The second thing that I've noticed is 
I've noticed that a lot of people who believe God for healing, they themselves still need healing either for their loved ones or for themselves or for their family. So if you think about Bill Johnson, who is one of our great proponents of healing today, well, his son Eric is deaf and wears hearing aids. And yet they've seen deaf people get healed, but they haven't seen Eric get healed. I think about John Ornett, our spiritual father, watching him with really, really sore knees scheduled for surgery and yet seeing God use him to heal many, many other people. So you are not excluded from being used by God to heal other people if you yourself are in pain. And I remember our friend Ben, who ultimately ended up dying from cancer. Even in his trips to uh, see doctors and for treatment of cancer, he would be praying for everybody who needed healing and, and seeing people get healed. His sermon on outreach was all on healing. Yeah. So I think, I like what AJ said, that at some level you must believe in healing, Beatrice, or you're, why would you even come to the Lord and, and ask for that? And then the third component, I think, is it's often easier for us to have faith for other people than for ourselves. I think for sure. And there's something wonderful about in our area of need, pressing in for breakthrough for other people in their area of need. And I'm not sure exactly what you're asking, Beatrice, but I think you're on the the right path. I'm sorry that you've been in pain for 20 years. We'd absolutely love to pray for you in a second. But don't... I think about the, the people that Jesus healed in the Gospels. I think about the man who was born blind from birth. And it would have been easy for him to go, well, I've been blind all these years. You know, I, I guess this is the way God made me. This is what, I guess this is my lot in life. And yet one encounter with Jesus changed that theology. Mm-hmm. So I'd encourage you to strengthen yourself in the Lord, especially by what he is doing. Find testimonies rather than... Um, focusing on what he's not doing. I don't mean that in a callous way. I would hate to be in pain for 20 years. I'm, I'm, I'm not indicating that you're doing anything wrong at all. Uh, just my encouragement to you is, it is amazing what experience can do to your theology. If It's amazing to me that everybody I know who is moving powerfully in healing has a theology that God wants to heal. Yeah. And conversely, everybody who has a theology that God doesn't want to heal aren't seeing any healing. So get around people who heal the sick. Go wherever you can and and press in. Let's pray for Beatrice just now for him. Let's pray for anybody who's in pain. Lord, I thank you that you died not only for the salvation of our sins, but for the healing of our sickness. And right now, to anybody who's listening, Lord, we speak your life. We speak resurrection life into bodies. We pray specifically for Beatrice, for this pain that she's had for 20 years. And we command that pain to go and we command your will be done in her hip as it would be in heaven. Lord, I thank you that you're so kind and you're so generous and you love to heal. And I ask that you would extend your healing power to Beatrice and to all who are listening to this podcast, that radical healings would take place right now and lives would be changed in Jesus name. Mm. Amen. Amen. All right. As AJ mentioned, Our friends Alex and Henry Seeley are hosting the Belonging Conference this coming weekend in Nashville. It's going to be an exciting time. We're just thrilled that all these churches are are throwing conferences to bless our city. It's amazing. We've got, uh, we just had to go conferences, AJ was talking about. We've got the Belonging Conference. And next month in October, we've got our own Heaven Declares Conference happening at Grace Center. Also, starting Tuesday, September 13th. 
we'll be accepting Apple Pay on our website to purchase any books or products from our uh, from your iPhone. I know that's going to be cool. That is very cool. So if you have a Touch ID phone and you're used to using Apple Pay at Whole Foods or wherever, soon you'll be able to make purchases on the web using Apple Pay. It means you don't have to put in your credit card details. Everything's secured. That's so cool. I know. And starting Tuesday, if you buy any products off our website, you've got the option of using Apple Pay at checkout. And in about another week's time, when everybody upgrades to OS Sierra, Mac OS Sierra, the new desktop operating system for Apple laptops, you will be able to use that from your desktop browser too. If you want show notes for this week, head to alanandaj.com slash 119. And if you've got any questions for us that you would like us to answer or just talk about as an episode topic, go to alanandaj.com slash ask. Hey, I just want to lastly thank those of you that have been stopping us as we've seen you at different conferences or, you know, in the factory or whatever, and just saying hi and letting us know that you're listening. It's so fun to be able to get to put a face to some of the people that we're talking to that we have no idea who you are and uh, be able to actually meet you in person. So thanks for stopping us. It's fantastic. Yeah. And thanks for listening. We so appreciate that you've got a choice of Uh, who to listen to every week. And we just love it that you choose to listen to our ramblings every week. Mm -hmm. Have a great week. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God are things we deal with every day. From Franklin, Tennessee, they are just like you and me. Keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses Sharing their life experiences Keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses They talk about faith in God And everything under the sun If you are a human being There's something here for everyone 